0: Welcome to the Impact Theory Podcast. Today's episode is a little extra special as I sit down with a man that has greatly influenced my life, Dean Graciosi. As you may or may not know, economic winter is here. And my goal is to get you the information you need to ease your anxiety around the recession and learn the skills and mindset you need to thrive in this time. Dean is taking you deep into his real life situation so you can take the nuggets you need to navigate these uncertain times. This is Impact Theory with Dean Graciosi. and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. All right, Dean, you and I have about 60 minutes (laughs) to deal with the fact that we're either headed into an economic winter or we are already there. Yeah. I have a massive amount of paranoia around that and what that's gonna be. I think 1% of people are gonna thrive, but 99% of people are gonna get just battered. They're really gonna struggle. And there is a quote I hear you say a lot from Tony Robbins, which is, in the winter, people, some people freeze and other people ski and snowboard. Yeah. So my question is, what is the mindset
1: that allows somebody to snowboard instead of freeze? I think to start, it's preparation and anticipation rather than reaction, right? Wayne Gretzky, I love that quote, it's been overplayed, but it said, how is he so good at playing hockey? He said, most people skate to where the puck is. I learned to skate to where the puck was going. Mm. And I think if we anticipate and know, know, so many people we both know have been in business for 15 years or less, they really don't understand it. So they're more scared of the unknown and if you're a study of history, you can understand it's a cycle, it's happening, and winter is here. I, I don't I think winter is here. We just all haven't felt the effects yet. And when you go through a time like that, the reason Tony and I are working together and, and doing events and helping people is because there's some industries, like you said, that are gonna they're gonna be at the springtime. They're gonna exponentially grow. And if you saw Warren Buffett in his yearly presentation, I don't know if you saw it probably four weeks ago, he said inflation is here. And a recession is inevitable. And there's a couple of things you can do to thrive during a recession, during inflation. And he said one of them, the most important thing, is be a part of an industry or start a business that has high margins. So the reason Tony and I are sharing so much and I'm so passionate about this because I've been in this industry for 25 years is how cool would it be to have a business that you don't need to inventory, you don't need to ship it, you don't have to worry about supply chain. It's probably one of the most valuable assets you have Valuable that you own it and other people want it, you could sell it over and over again with tell a limited supply. What this I know, is. that's what I'm saying. And what it is, is selling information, mm-hmm. it's selling your experience. That's what Tony's been doing for 40 years, I've been doing for 25. If you think about it, how much has information or learning from other people impacted you in your life? I know what I know what a, know what a study you are, yeah. And it's, it's such a valuable asset, and it's not just us anymore, right? Uh, four years ago. The industry and let's call it the self-education industry the influencer industry the the upskill industry selling knowledge uh, four years ago it was about a hundred million dollar a day industry a day a day right now it's a billion a day it's about 340 billion dollar a year industry and i just read this weekend it's heading towards a trillion dollars by 2028.
0: a day or a year
1: a year so the trillion will be a year right now it's at a billion a day about 340 billion dollars a year mm. And why that is, is I don't think people have time for general education anymore. They want specialized knowledge. So instead of going back to school, instead of trying to learn on their own, they're saying, hey, who's already been there? Tom already built a business. Look what he did with Quest. What will Tom share with me? And how can I pay Tom to extract that? Or if, I mean, we've helped people in 4,500 different niches, whether it's going through a divorce, going vegan, uh, doing yoga better, or finding self-love again, or healing through trauma. Somebody has been through that experience and the world is seeing that they can find a way to unlock it, share it, impact others, and create success. And I think in a time of recession, whether it's the self-education industry, it's definitely a time you must investigate. Because it is scary. I was in business in 09. I was in when the world shifted. I was in business in 07. That's a kind way of saying it. When the when the world shifted. I mean it was and it was brutal for a lot of people. Um, and I know that sounds almost uh, insensitive to say some people starve and some people ski. But I think the the foundation is we must get our mindset right. We must prepare and say it's coming. You can't make it worse than it is and you can't make it better than it is. We must face the reality it's coming. And like Winston Churchill said, those that don't understand the past are bound to repeat it. So learn about it. What's happening? Prepare emotionally to be more of that, I feel like I'm saying too many silly sayings, but they stick in my head, is be more of the thermostat of life rather than the thermometer, address it. But then it's time to investigate and say, where can I... Where can I sell something that, does, that has higher margins? How can I impact others? And how can I you know, thrive in this shifting world? And I think that's why we're kind of pounding the pavement right now because it's, it's a time for everybody to either start a self-education industry, bolt it onto your current business, or at least explore and see if it's something for you. I wanna go
0: back to the, the mindset because, so I know what you guys are doing with the five-day challenge, yeah. free time to thrive challenge. It's gonna be incredible, I know you guys do amazing stuff. But most people won't even show up
1: yeah. because
0: the way that they think about the world is going to lock them up in fear. Yeah. And as somebody who I know, you have been successful, but you've also been through struggles. Yeah. So in the times where you struggled, what was happening that sort of blocked you up? Was it fear? Was it uh, the self-narrative? Whatever. And then what did you do to finally break out of that to start getting really, momentum Really, really great
1: question. Um, you know, to this day, I, I, I've been reflecting on this a lot lately because i'm 53 years old and i still have that inner self-doubt i still have that voice that says hey we're not going to make this people are going to figure out you're not that smart how the hell did you get where you are right now and that voice has been screaming at me for 50 years or 45 years but it's always wrong and the Here's what I do know is when you watch the news right now, it's so horrific. You can't watch whatever channel you're on, liberal, conservative, down the middle, you're moderate. It doesn't matter what you watch. It's horrific news. We go from a pandemic to inflation and potential recession and and from crypto and stock markets crashing. And what I think is whatever inner self-doubt we have, it magnifies it. And we just have to realize that it does. I find myself even going down a path of worrying more than I have, even though I feel financially set and, and everything can, uh, you know, whatever happens to the outside world, I think I'm fine. And we just have to identify that we've already been through courageous times. We've already, or I should say, we've already been courageous in scary times. We've already found courage when we didn't know we had it. And for me, if I, if I share what's gotten me through it, it's just a little exercise on I I go through a process of why the hell am I doing? What am I doing? And I I have three reasons that I do it. And I think we all have to find that next level reason because things do get hard and the outside world can be crazy and your friends are gonna start freaking out. And to have that ability to thrive, we must go inside and get out of our head and get into our heart. For me, that little transition is three things. I never wanna go backwards. I didn't like being broke as a kid i didn't like my mom working three jobs to make nothing and coming home late so i feel like i got this innate feeling of i don't want to go back to that life number two is i want my kids to have choices i'm blessed that my kids are here with me today last time i was here four years ago my son came now both my kids are 15 and 13 now i don't want entitled children but i want them to have choices and then the last thing is i want to be in control of my life and these are mine right My parents were married nine times when I was a kid. By the time I was 20, I moved 20 times by the time I was 20 years old. So new step parents, new step grandparents, new house, new school, new bike, and all of it always was taken away with the next divorce. So again, that's a little digging into my own life, but I never want anybody to be in control of my life. I never want to be left behind. I don't wanna skate to where the puck used to be because that means maybe I can't take my kids with me when I do a trip like this. I take my kids to school every day of my life. I pick them up every day they have school. I coach Little League. I'm there for softball. Those things, I'd rather die than not be available for that. Uh, we, we get to chat a lot with our, with our wives. My wife's name is Lisa, too. I love her more than anything. She's my favorite human in the whole world. And if I lose control, maybe I can't have those times with her and have date nights and work on being a better man. I messed up in my last relationship. I'm not messing this one up, and I want to continue to be a better man. And I have to work on me to continue to show up to be a man that deserves a woman like that. So when i think of that i could get emotional right now because when i think about that tom having a bad day a bad week an economic winter things going wrong on the outside i can't just sit on my hands and hope somebody's coming to save me hope that things will get better i don't have that option because i want to be the man for my wife i want to be that father and i want to be the friend that i am and the leader with my team so i must find a new mindset i must be courageous i must jump out of the plane and grow wings on the way down but not just courageous. The reason you know I started today talking about that, that industry, I don't care what industry it is or what people do. Tony and I wanna show people what we've been doing for 60 years, but more than that, I want people to not sit on their hands to say, hey, why am I here? Why do I want another level? What Again, for me, not going backwards, my kids and, and having control, I'd chew through a brick wall. I'll read every book possible. I'll talk to amazing people like you and other friends. I'll get in masterminds. I'll get in workshops. I'll read because I can't let that control go away.
0: What's interesting to me, so coming at it from a a psychology perspective, people talk a lot about fight or flight, right? Mm -hmm. So you're you're coming into the economic winter, we're in the economic winter, and your two options are to fight or to run away. But the reality is it's actually fight, flight, or freeze. And the fact that people can, through their own self-narrative, what they focus on, what they tell themselves, they can actually get themselves to the point where they're freezing. And I can find myself there sometimes when there's so much yep. going on in my business. I have so many things. I don't even want to look at my text messages. and I can feel like my yeah. hand doesn't even want to pick up my phone. And I'm like, wow, like there's really something at the, the motor cortex of your brain level that has from a back when we were, you know, yeah. lizards, yeah. that it will actually stop you from moving. And so that idea of sitting on your hands, There's a reason that's become the phrase that people can actually get to the point where they can't get movement going, right? And so the thing that I've always considered myself to be good at is generating momentum. Like the ability to get something started and it's way harder than people think. But to even take that first step sometimes when we're in the middle of something that's really difficult, it requires people to get a hold of what they allow themselves to think and repeat and i know you went through a phase when you're going through your divorce you were having flashbacks to what it was yeah. like for you as a kid you didn't want your kids going through the same thing and so you started having panic attacks and just really sure becomes this like brutal period of your life i know the punchline because i know what you did to get out of that but do you remember okay i'm i'm having this yeah. just overwhelming sense of anxiety how did you begin to unwind that psychologically so you could move forward
1: yeah really great question and, uh, and I love the fact that we know each other and can share that because this is, the best interviews come when you speak from the heart. And, and I appreciate that you always ask the best questions. You know, when I think back, when you're in the middle of it, there was someone who described it to me this way. When you're going through an anxious period, a nervous period, sitting on your hands or freezing, feel those emotions. I think everybody gets them. Like you said, it goes all the way back to the lizard brain. Somebody explained it this time. When things are going good, we can peek out of like like a submarine or peek our head out of the out of their day-to-day and we can look forward to our compelling future and go, oh my God, it's right there. I see it. It's like a lighthouse. I see the lighthouse. We're on track. You go back down and you do the work, right? It's like, that's what compelling, I can see it. Somebody said to me once, when you're in an anxious space, when you're worrying, when that lizard brain comes, someone shuts the hatch mm-hmm. and you can't lift up to see that compelling future anymore. All you're seeing is, What's right, in, what's right in front of you and what could go wrong? Now, I never really had that in my business life. And I could never understand why people didn't take that initiative, why they didn't create a compelling future. I always said to myself, people are afraid to start the business or scale the business, but wouldn't they be more afraid to be at the end of their life and see the man or woman they could have been? By, because and So that would always drive me in business and say, yes, I'm scared, but I'm moving forward anyway. Yes, I'm scared of this recession, but I'm moving forward anyway. I'm gonna investigate, I'm gonna move. And then God, the universe, whatever you believe in, gives you a lesson and shows you an, another level of empathy and compassion. My previous wife and I decided to divorce. We had tried to make it work for about five years and it was officially over. And someone closed the hatch on me. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't anxious. I was having anxiety attacks, just as you said. I was popping a Xanax twice a week. I don't even take aspirin, I don't even take Tylenol. I drink a glass of wine three days a week to try to calm down because. Again, uh, uh, repeating what you said, I I started thinking about the stress I went through at a young age and said, wow, I'm just repeating it. I'm gonna put these kids in that place. I'm gonna be fragmented from them. I, I won't be this connected father that I had a desire to do. And what changed that was starting to think about just what I said earlier. Who do I wanna be at the end of my life? Do I wanna be someone where my kids, again, I'm not an advocate of divorce, but do I want my kids at the end of their lives to see a father and mother who were friends, they never held hands, they didn't have connection, they slept in two separate rooms. Somebody said to me, and I think it was Tony, said, what if your daughter ended up in the same relationship
0: you're in? Ooh, How would that feel? She was just getting the chills.
1: And when he said that, it changed. I left Florida, I flew home, had that conversation and we did it. But as we separated, I'm gonna, you asked the question, and if I'm going too deep, reel me in. No, please. But I moved into another house and we were amicable and, and no ugliness at all, but I moved into a house my kids came over the first weekend and uh, they left and I never shared this publicly ever. I looked over and my kid's shoes were at the front door, but they weren't there and there was no noise and it was quiet. And I had the first panic attack of my life. Mm-hmm. Something just triggered me. I-
0: As someone who is constantly learning new information and skills, I've found some tricks to most effectively and efficiently retain and remember that information. And one of the keys to this process is actively engaging with the content. You have to use it. And when it comes to learning a new language, the most efficient app out there is Babbel. With Babbel's revolutionary conversation-based approach, learning a new language is both efficient and effective. With quick, 10-minute lessons rooted in real-life situations, you can start actually speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Take it from somebody who has struggled mightily to learn Greek, to impress my beloved wife and my in-laws, I really wish Babbel had existed back then. It would have helped so much. So I highly encourage you guys to check out Babbel today and take advantage of the special deal for Impact Theory listeners— right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash impacttheory. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash impacttheory, and that's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com, again, slash impacttheory. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: couldn't be in the house without noise. I had I had to have a radio playing in every single room. I had to have TVs on. It was the weirdest thing, Tom. Like I felt like I got to 47 years old and I made it and something just snapped and it was over. And when you go through those periods, you don't know if you can come back. You don't know because the lid is shut. You can't see your compelling future of being in love and being happy. And So the thing that I did in that moment was I started thinking about a future, trying to get a compelling future. But most of all, and this is what I did, and if it can help you in today's shift, especially where things are going with the economy and we have friends that are losing lots of money and things like that, is I started thinking about, yes, it is what it is, but how can I I find the thing that's actually causing the angst in me, right? It's not necessarily that we're going through a recession and not necessarily that I'm going through a divorce. And I kept digging, why is this divorce affecting me? And I got all the way down and I made a list of all the things that were bugging me. One was Sunday meetings with my kids. I had them since they were three years old. Every other Sunday, I can't have that meeting. I used to pick them up from school. I travel a lot for business at the time. What if I come back and I don't get my kids that week and I go two weeks or three weeks without seeing my kids? And what if their mom talks bad about me behind my back? And what if I can never meet anybody that love my kids like, like I love them, right? And I start, when you're in that place, all, at least for me, all I could think about, Tom, was all the things that happened to me as a child or all the things that could go wrong with them. And then luckily through f- focusing on a bigger future that my kids deserved more, I started to think, what is the one thing? Is there one thing that I could do and do really well that could solve lots of problems? and if, if this is not making sense or not landing, I'm sorry, but I really want you to hear me. I started thinking, how can is there one thing I can go so deep on, get so good at, go deeper on, get more education, be the best in the world at this one thing? Is there one thing I could do? Because in, in my businesses, I got really good at marketing. And my marketing, being so good at marketing, Tom, would cover that sometimes I wasn't the best operator. Sometimes I'd hire the wrong people. Sometimes I'd come up with a campaign that was kind of, but my marketing was so good that my businesses kept growing. So I converted that into this world, even in a panicky state, I'm like, is there one thing I can do? And I wrote down all the things that were bugging me. And I'd suggest, as we go into this recession, if you get into that place, write down all the things that are that are causing you angst, causing you worry, are afraid to go broke, or afraid to let people down, afraid not to take care of your family, or all the things that your brain thinks of. So I wrote down all these, my kids, not with them, stressed about them, all this stuff, not gonna be with them, travel, vacations, summer vacations were a big deal, summer vacations. And I kept thinking, what's one thing? No, that's 10 things, what's one thing, what's one thing? And I came up with it. And the day I came up with it, I felt like, felt like my ship was in a safe harbor, and other people may have used this analogy, but this is the way I felt. My ship was in a safe harbor, it was okay. But the only way to my next level of life was through the storm, with 10-foot waves and a tornado, and I could see it out there. And every time I went to there, I, I'd put the front of the boat into the storm, and I'd go, it's good enough here, I'll just sleep in the guest house, and I'll, I'll be a great dad. And I, like, no, I can't. The day. I realized this one thing. I'm like, time to put the ship in the storm. The next level of me lives on the other side. And that one thing for me was to be dear friends with my ex-wife. I just started thinking, if I'm dear friends, she's never going to talk crap about me. If I'm dear friends with her, she'll support me. If I'm dear friends with her, then I travel and it's not my time, she'll let me see him. And everything on my list got checked off by that. And then I worked on me. I got a counselor. I, I worked on me. I became an active listener. I didn't, I didn't, no matter, even if things bugged me, I replaced, God, I haven't talked about this in five years, I, four years, I replaced anger or envy or being upset, sometimes divorce and money. I replaced all of it with compassion. I said, every time you feel that feeling, of like, uh, take a breath and go through a compassionate lens because this woman's gonna be your friend. And everything I did, Tom, I got better at being a friend. I read the right books. I didn't listen to a bunch of friends say, why would you give her that and why? None of that mattered. I had one focus, make sure my kids were not fragmented and I could feel safe around them. And that's what I did. And that one thing solved all those problems. To this day, my ex is a friend. Also, it gave me the opportunity to be so relieved that I got to focus on being a better man to attract the kind of woman I wanted in my life. You know, everybody sees a great relationship, Tom. I, I've been around you and Lisa. You have so much mutual respect. You give so much to each other. All the things that are the invisible are why the visible is so great with you too. And I've always wanted that. I didn't know it was possible. My parents were married nine times. I thought marriages were throwaway, right? But during this transition, during me going through the storm, I worked on being a better version of me. I wrote down the kind of woman I wanted in my life that would love my kids, that would be my dearest friend, that I would, only focus on her, that transparency, honesty, trust, and all the things that were unacceptable. And because I went through that storm, because I worked on becoming a better man, I got to attract my my Lisa. And we're five years in, and it's not an Instagram love. She's the she's the greatest human being in my life. I love her to death. And none of that would have happened. Right? And I know you guys know this. If you follow this guy, he, he under, Tom knows a depth of personal development more than maybe more than anyone you've ever watched. I watched four of your interviews in the last week and I was just blown away at all of them and I mean that. So you've probably heard some of this before, but maybe you needed to hear it again today. That going through that storm, I know you've heard your next level of life lives on the other side of the thing you fear the most. All the things that are kind of cliche. My next level was, I was in that storm with the anxiety and stress and popping a Xanax, like, oh my God, I'm not gonna make it. I have no compelling future, my, the hatch is shut. And literally, Tom, I'm not exaggerating. There was one day, it felt like the ship just came out on the other side, and I was in the bay I was supposed to be in. It went away, it was gone. I got to work on me, I attracted my wife Lisa, we fell in love, we have a two-year-old, she's pregnant right now, Um, but I had to go through that. So in retrospect, if you're facing a storm, what if on the other side of that storm was the man or woman you're designed to be? Wouldn't it be worth that storm? On the other side of a recession, on the other side of, of a shift, the people that are gonna freeze, are gonna hope the outside world saves them. And if you can find the courage, if you can find the inspiration, the motivation, whatever it is, whatever you have to do, the leverage to move forward, to go into that ship, to find out where the puck is going, to investigate new areas, to to play scared, what if this shift in the world was designed for you? As Tony always says, life is happening for you, not to you. What if the other side of that was the next level of your business or the start of something new? And that's some of the reasons we do what we do is try to innovate and spark that. But mostly it's like, how do we get through this and and find who we're supposed to be?
0: That is the question that I want to now go deeper on because when you're facing the storm, it is a a for real storm is brutally difficult to get through. Like if I even think about the psychological principle hiding behind the fact that you had to have radios on in the house and all of that. I remember my wife telling me that her big fear was that when her parents went through a divorce, she was like eight and she was cognizant enough to be like, my dad sits in a house that's quiet and he's all alone. I remember thinking, wow, that's like really heavy for like an eight year old to grasp. But the psychological principle of like needing that noise, like there's a deep thing going on in your brain that like, yeah. You had to find a way to manage to navigate. So I, I have been in storms like that. When I'm in them, I'm always saying to myself, I think it's Churchill to uh, somebody who's yeah. coming up uh, multiple times here, that if you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. But that's really hard, man. I have the chills yeah. just knowing I was gonna say that's really hard because it's really hard. And what I wanna know is what are some of the tools? I've heard you talk about self-narrative before. Yeah. I've heard you talk about future casting. Like, yeah. what, what are the, the things that people can learn to do that allow them when the hatch is closed to either open that hatch or- be or, okay to sit for a exactly. little bit.
1: Yeah. You know, rather than me saying what I think is the healthiest answer, I'm just going to say the answer that comes to me. I'd love to say that I got through a lot of those by future casting, by projecting a bigger future, do it through harmony, through peace, uh, not torture yourself. I'd love to say, but sometimes when the storm's really bad, I have to look backwards and I kind of put myself through probably hell of going back to who I used to be or much worse because sometimes when you build something big, it's there's a lot that can tip, right? So. I will look back and feel the emotions of how things used to be. I know I do that. And this is not a practice. I don't sit down and meditate and say, oh my God, let me feel these emotions of a child. They're just there. And if I let them come out, I feel them. And I get to where I am disturbed, scared, worried about just seeing how things go. And it pushes me forward. It's almost like if you had a car with nitrous and you don't use it all the time. We all need to figure out what is the nitrous button, right? And nitrous, for those who are not in cars, and, you know. I remember when you were young, it a nitrous button, it can make a car go really fast, really quick. If you hit the nitrous button all the time, car burns out, doesn't work. But if you save that nitrous button, if you save it when you're the scaredest, when you're saving it when you need to get through something really hard. I never shared this in that way before, but that's, for me, my hardest times, I'll go into a place of, the fear of going backwards, the fear of what could go wrong. And that is so scary to me that I won't be in control of my time. Someone else might tell me how to live my life. What if I had to, I mean, my brain used to go back to, what if I had to go to work for someone? I've never worked for anybody in my entire life. At 17, I started cutting firewood. Like, I've never worked for anybody in my life. I think of things like, what if you had to get a job? What if they told you you couldn't pick up your kids from school? You might be watching and say, Dean, don't abuse yourself like that. But that's, I, I need that. Some people need to run away from their pain, and some people run towards their pleasure. obvious, obvious things in life, right? Me, I need to hit the, I will hit the nitrous button, and that is thinking of all the things that will go wrong if I don't courageously move forward. When sometimes I don't have an answer, or I'm not sure where it's going, but I know if I stand there. More cliches. When you stand, <laughs> I, it's so many that keep popping in my head. I got to stop it. But cliches when,
0: become cliches for a reason.
1: Yeah. But there's never a time you could just stand. You can only sit on your hands or freeze for enough time and then you start sliding backwards and you know that to be true. And I think about those things. I'm like, I can't just wait. I'm scared to death, but I'm going anyway. And that's, it's probably not the greatest answer, but that's me, that's my push. I think that's
0: really fucking good. Uh, the reason that I think that it's good is because it's true and I think that um, most people do not understand the power of what I call the dark energy so you've got I like that. the I want to hear more move that. towards the beautiful things, right? Yeah. So 80% of the time, if I'm struggling, I think about the things I want to do and create, the people I want to help, like all yeah. the good stuff in my life. But when I really need something,
1: I go to the dark side. You just described it. exactly Because I want to focus 100% of the time on, we'll get through this and everybody will be better and I, mm. I take care of my family. But when it doesn't work, I hit the nitrous button and yeah. my nitrous button is that dark side. I, I love how you just described it.
0: And I think that it's so real. And so many, like even, I wish I could remember the exact words you said, but you had like some apology, almost like, oh, this might not be the healthiest or whatever. But I really think that people underutilize that, like that, so when I think about human emotion, I think evolution, the blind watchmaker, so I don't believe in um, a sort of conscious engaged deity. Mm -hmm. There's obviously something that we don't know about, so trust me, I sit with humility before whatever is happening. But when I look at evolution, even if God and all-knowing being used evolution to set everything in motion, like you still want to think about evolution and how that influences the way that we are. And so when I think about emotion through an evolutionary lens and I realize rage has a use, anger has a use, fear has a use, anxiety has a use. And every time, because I am an anxious person by nature, every time I'm feeling anxious, I'm like, oh, I don't ever want to feel this again but I know that if it were completely removed from my life, I wouldn't have achieved what I've achieved. So anxiety is this double-edged sword. It is the reason that I've had the kind of success that I've had, but then people also need to be very careful emulating my life because it has been this just wall of anxiety constantly moving me forward. Like, I'm not gonna be prepared for this interview unless I do more, more, more research, right? And so- We're on the same page. Yeah, so it's like, but for me, even though sometimes it is admittedly very frustrating because I don't like the emotion, it's yielded some extraordinary results. And to get a healthy relationship with it, I have to appreciate it as much as do things to not spend too much of my time there because it can become very corrosive. But for people that either want to pretend that anger is bad or rage is bad or there's no place for anxiety, whatever, um, they are removing
1: has given to them yeah i mean momentum you said earlier you said about helping people with momentum momentum is easy once the train has left the mm. station right once you're going 30 miles an hour it's it's much easier to go to 50 but it's train starting at zero the energy to get that thing to go the first three feet so you couldn't run uh, you'd call it the dark energy mm. I guess a, sil- a simple analogy would be you couldn't run a train from California to New York on dark energy. You'd burn it out. The wheels would come off, the engine would blow, you'd come apart, you'd come unglued. But if the train stops a few times along the way, if you gotta go to that dark energy to get the train moving again, and then once you get momentum, take a breath and then you could start focusing on where you wanna go. And, and this I've never talked through this ever and we're describing my life. Because I, I would bet to say I'm 80% looking towards a bigger future. The, t- the hatch is open. But man, when the hatch closes and I'm in a dark place, I look backwards to the pain. And it... Phew.
0: Yeah, I love that. I've heard you talk about, and you mentioned it earlier, some people... You said it was obvious, but I actually don't think it is for most people. Because most people, I don't think, take the time to really concretize what they think. I've heard you talk about journaling. I think it's really important. But what you said earlier, and I don't think it's as self-evident as maybe it should be, is that some people are moving towards pleasure, some people are moving away from pain, or maybe we all are on that, doing one or the other from time to time. We just happen to be dominant one way or the other. But by recognizing whether you tend to move towards pleasure or whether you tend to move towards pain or away from pain, it gives you another tool in your kit to get things moving. So two and a half years ago now wow yeah i think almost uh when covid kicked off i really started to worry about people in general like what they're going to be going through that don't have the skill set that they need to like get things yeah. going and now as we because they theref- like the the economic hit of covid was pretty brief because of the massive stimulation yeah. but now we're taking the cost of that yeah. massive stimulation. I mean, in my sort of overly simplified version of what's happening. But I think people are gonna get the hatch closed again. It's gonna be really difficult for them to get that momentum going. What do you think around self-narrative? That to me is like one of the big things. You, you sort of threw off that you asked yourself who you wanted to be or people should think about, like wouldn't they be more afraid of being on their deathbed and not yeah. having become the person that they could have been? What do you think about self-narrative? how do you use it and if you do use it like how do you craft it
1: really great question um it's easy to say be at the end of your life and get to you know i I heard somebody say it and i think it was ed my use the version of it i said one day imagine if you know your maker or you meet someone at the end of your life and they played a video of the man or woman you could have been I have to use some of that narrative sometimes because it is a juggle. I own multiple companies right now. I'm partners with Tony on two companies. I want to be that dad. I, I have a little one and a little a baby on the way, and a 13 and a 15 year old. And sometimes that juggle, well, simultaneously, there's a shift in the economy. There's craziness going on in the world. We're separated more than ever before. There's not a lot of good news that comes out of any place anymore. And it all can build up. And I think self talk, I'm. I'm thinking out loud because I don't want to just give a canned answer. I want to give the answer. We're in a space here where I'm 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 trying to share whether it's healthy or not. The best thing I can say about self-talk is whatever leverage you need, it doesn't need it doesn't need fixing, or you don't know to fix it if you're not aware of it. So I I can give some examples in a moment of self-talk that I do, but I think the number one thing is acknowledging that most all of us have self-talk and to catch it. When I'm anxious, and I still get anxious, there's nothing around, I don't have anxiety, but I get anxious, I still get nervous. What I used to do is try to fix it. I'd immediately go, okay, how do I do more? How do, how do I prepare more? How do I rehearse this 10 more times? How do I call more people? How do I work till 10 o'clock at night? Screw this weekend, I was gonna go with the family, I'll just work. I used to, when, I, the, self, when the, the stress or the worry came in, I covered it with solutions. I covered it with working more, with accomplishing more, with setting something up. Now, I might still do that to a point, but what I've trained myself to do over the last decade, Tom, is stop, we said before, if the hatch is closed and sit in it and say, what is the self-talk that's making me feel this way? The world's always been crazy. I've been in business for a long time. I don't care how long you're in business with Quest, what you do now, all the different things that you've done. There's always crap. Whether in the beginning, if it was a $10,000 worry or a million dollar worry or a $10 million worry, the worry is always there. The difference is now I sit and I keep asking myself questions. Sometimes it's one question. Sometimes it's three or four to find out what is the root of this? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I going through my day angst? Why am I a little short with my wife when she doesn't deserve that? So it's the, it's the observation of the self-talk. And when I find it, then I find a way to reverse it. That's, that's my real, that's not a read out of a book. Or my, That's me, I, I need to find that. Where before, I would leave the angst, I would leave the self-talk, and just work my ass off through it. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. So basically asking yourself a recursive why. Why do I feel this way? Why do I yeah. feel this way? And then you ultimately get past sort of the surface answers and you can really then.
1: So for example, I, I know, it's, it's, I know that for years, and, and I feel blessed I haven't felt this in a long time, but for years, if I was a little off or something was happening, especially as my business was getting bigger than I thought I could ever grow a business, if I really, I could say, oh my God, I lost my COO. Mm. Why is that bugging me so bad? We're, we're, we could can, we can find that. This happened, and then I'd, I'd ask myself, if I lost a CO, maybe we won't hit our numbers for the month. And I keep asking, I keep asking, and I get down to a fear of going broke because I was so broke as a kid and watched my mom work three jobs to make ninety bucks a week. And when I was saying I don't want to go backwards, like I would sometimes ask the question, yeah, but the CEO we can replace, it. and I keep going, I keep going, keep going. And all of a sudden, I'm like, God damn it, it's back to that simple, I'm this broke kid on the inside and I'm afraid I'm gonna be my dad. That just popped out of my mouth. Like my dad was always not having money, always complaining, and it caused him to be angry. My dad fought with everybody. I was 11 years old, I threw up blood. I had a bleeding ulcer because my dad was so angry and fought with that. My dad went to a a restaurant, and if the waiter wasn't polite, he'd fist fight on the ground, and I'd I'd sit and I'd hide. I I don't like confrontation, I can't watch boxing, I don't watch wrestling. I don't like confrontation still to this day because of it. So I'd ask myself all those questions, and I'd go, oh my God, I'm back to, I don't want to be my dad. I don't want to be broke and angry. And then I'd say, okay, now that I know and I've never talked about, I've never shared this. This is just me. Now that I know that, okay, the CEO left. Am I going to be okay? Absolutely. Have I ever lost a CEO in the past? Yeah, eight years ago. And we found something that was even better. So could there be a, shine, a silver lining in this? Yes, this could actually be a good thing. And I'd go through all of them. None of these things on their own, Tom, were enough to give me anxiety or worry. But take those things, go all the way back to the childhood fear of being my dad. All of them get heavy and crazy. So if I'd address that, and ask different questions by themselves, they were no big deal.
0: Yeah, getting self-awareness is insanely important. I worry, yes, I was gonna say I worry sometimes that people aren't able to get themselves there because they're not able to get themselves there and they have, like imagine somebody that hasn't developed self-awareness having that, I see the shoes, I don't really put it together, I can't be in a room without music, like that's where people really get themselves into a bind and they're not able to assess why they're going through what they're going through. And when you're in the storm, you can get lost in the storm. And now you're just like dealing with the waves. You don't have time to sit in a safe harbor and think about the way to get out of this. That fucking freaks me out more than you can imagine because there are certain things in my life that I don't think that I really did anything to deserve. And when I didn't do something to deserve them, but I know I have it, then I get really worried for other people because I'm like, without this tool, like this one really scares me. Now, for me growing up, I was really oblivious. And people now that may know me only from what they see on YouTube, which is a weird sentence (laughs) to say, but nonetheless true, uh, I hopefully seem very self-aware because at some point in my 20s, I really started developing self-awareness, but I don't know that I did anything to, I don't know what the first insight was. It was just finally realizing, oh man, the person's making fun of me. And then you're like, why is that person making fun of me? And that was really how I began to unwind it. But to give you a sense of how oblivious I was, uh, I was probably 26, 27, bumped into a guy that I went to high school with. He was like, Tom, I've got to apologize to you. And I was like, why? And he was like, I was so mean to you in high school. And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, man, I like really, you know, I can't remember if he said bullied, but that was like the impression he was trying to give. And I was like, man, I don't remember you saying a single bad thing. And he was like, what? And so he had (laughs) obviously been saying things behind my back. I had no idea. So I was like, whoa, I think I was distressingly oblivious. Now the crazy thing is, I didn't have anxiety when I lacked self-awareness. Now, wow. as I've become self-aware, I've become anxious. But I'm far more effective. And so, man, like all of this stuff. Almost the, a trade-off. The, yeah. Yes. It's a trade-off. Dean. Very well said. It's all a trade-off. And as so the reason I got excited that you and Tony are doing the Thrive Challenge. How to thrive? How to Thrive Challenge?
1: Yeah. Time to thrive.
0: Time to thrive. I know I yeah, was yeah. getting a word wrong. The time to thrive challenge is that one tony is one of the earliest people that helped me begin to get a grip on my mind i will forever owe him a debt of gratitude like i can only imagine how many people on this planet have that same sentence but it really is your mind and helping people begin to like get a sense of oh wait i can take control of this even just the idea that tony throws out i think is so powerful ask how the worst thing that ever happened to you is actually the best thing that ever happened to you. And just by asking that different question, you can really change your life. So give me some, like what what is the core thing in this time to thrive challenge? What are you going to be pushing people to do? What do you want them to think about? Like how do they begin to pull that out of the ether and make it concrete?
1: Yeah, and I started off with that because you know I love the way this interview turned. So thank you. That's why you're so good at what you do. But my whole point was, and if you know Tony, you guys have known each other for years. You just interviewed him recently. He impacted my life 25 years ago. I was I was having success in the most dysfunctional, if I can use a, a word, hosed up way possible. Like I talk about using the nitrous button once in a while, the dark side. I'd bet to say at 27, I was finding success. I just had my finger on the dark <laughs> button every day of my life. I was just running away from fear. I had all these marriages. Uh, life happened to me i was a victim um but i could work through it and i could power through it and i don't need sleep and i don't need to be okay and i don't need a real relationship and i don't need to ever talk to my parents again because i'm going to be successful i'm going to make money and be in control of my life right and then i buy a course from tony robbins and he just spoke into my heart and shifted things big time for me i mean i went in this industry because of tony Mm -hmm. 25 years ago but i also let go of a lot of stuff so i feel the same i feel the same way so we've been we've been dear friends for a decade more now about 12 years and for the first seven years of our relationship and i'll, I'll just take a little back yeah, a little history of this we never did business because i saw so many people wanting to partner with tony i'm like we're friends we talk like four days a week for like seven years we just bonded and i'm like i don't want to ruin it with business because i've seen so many people come in want to do business mm-hmm. and, but for years all we talked about is how self-education saved our life, and you could use a lot of different terms, but it was Jim Rohn for him, and it was him for me. So it's pretty cool, he had Jim Rohn, but now I got Tony, mm. and I've been able to sell lots of books and do all the things that I've done and start 13 companies and New York Times bestselling books, who would have ever thought, right? For
0: so a we- A kid with dyslexia. Yeah,
1: and so we talked about it so much, and then one day we said, you know, when we started, I, people always ask me, why did you do an infomercial? I was on infomercials for years, because bought an inf- I bought Tony's course off an infomercial, you probably oh, did yes. too. When I started, there was no internet. 25 years ago, there wasn't even AOL messenger. So people's like, why'd you do infomercial? There was no other option. And we talked about when I, when I started the infomercial business, I taught people how to make money with cars because that's how I got started. But I had to do an infomercial. I had to come up with about 250,000 bucks and a lot of it was on credit card. And then you hope you put it on TV and it works. So for years, we're having this conversation of how it saved their lives and the industry's exponentially growing. And we just decided, why don't we teach it? How do we leave our legacy? I mean, Tony more than me, he's got 40 something years. I got 25 years. But I said, how do we leave our legacy? It's like, why don't we show people what we've discovered over these 60 years combined, that their greatest asset is their life experience. Their greatest asset is the experience. Like you went through a divorce and it was hell. You went through the valley of life. You went through hell, scared about your kids, but now you're on the other side and your kids are thriving and you're better and you found a relationship. You went through this valley, you're on the other side. There's a million people today starting before the valley. And what they're realizing is, who can give me the bridge? Who can help me get across this quicker? I don't want to go through the depths of this. I want, I want someone to help me. And I think the world has realized they don't want to learn on their own. They don't want to go back to school. Who has been there? Rather than how, people are looking at who. And they're, that's why this in- industry is exponentially growing. So we decided four years ago, let's, let's share what we know. And let's create a whole bunch of people. Let's make it so people feel guilty if they die someday without sharing their life experience. And we launched three years ago with a free training, and it it immediately turned into a movement. Um, We've seen now over three million people, over 160 countries, have registered for our training. You know, register for our trainings, and 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 what we want to show in in the and you know ask any questions you have. But basically. We all have an asset, like I said in the beginning, that lives inside of our head. Whether it was the mess you went through, whether it was you know the, the experience, the starting the business, the great marriage, the bad marriage that turned good, lost yourself, found yourself, cured something naturally, we all went through this experience and there's people out there that need it today. So now that winter is here or winter is coming, people need this now more than ever. So that's why we decided, let's take five days, we're gonna go about two hours a day and over five days we're going to show people on day one why this industry. Why them? Why now? Day two: how to identify what should be the thing that you sell. Did you learn it from somebody else? Tony Wright wrote "Money Master of the Game" because he interviewed all the top financial people. He wasn't the financial guy, So he became the reporter, and still, it's the best-selling financial book in, in the last 30, 40 years.: Whoa. Yeah. still' it's to a say, great book. It is a great book. Long and great. Mm. Very. And now he just did the same thing with Life Force. Mm. He's not the health expert. He interviewed all the 150 top health experts. So you either learn something from somebody else, you have a life experience that's valuable, or you want to bolt it onto a company. We just want to show people it's a great business on the side to attach to a current business, uh, to start something new, to sell what you know. And it's only scary because people don't know how to do it. So we originally started three years ago with a day training. Then we went to three, and if you know anything about Tony, he can't help but to over-deliver. He's like, no, we need to give him five days. Five days so we can show him why this, why now, how to unlock it, figure out what it is, identify who wants it, how to ethically sell it through service, how to make it a real business. That's over five days, and we did it last year, had 900,000 people register last year, and it was unbelievable. The reason, and this is probably the last year we're doing it because there's just too much going on and it's hard to take five days, Tony's time, Mm, my time, and all the stuff around it to do a million people. But people need it now more than ever. And I think it's just a great way for people to investigate and see if it's something they should be doing.
0: Mm. It's really interesting. YouTube has really changed the world. And I don't know how much you pay attention to YouTube and where things are going. And, And I bring up YouTube only because it's basically people having a direct link to the audience and I see you guys bringing that same ethos to what you're doing but there is something really interesting that happens when you can just test something try something because the thing that you guys are really good at, marketing, putting the courses together, unlocking people's potential, getting them to believe in themselves, self-narrative, self all that stuff that they're gonna have to do in order to have the courage to put it out. Who am I to do this? Everybody's gonna ask that yeah. question, and you're gonna have to help them through that. But then when they start doing this, what they're gonna realize is that they're gonna have to learn how to market, they're gonna have to learn yeah. how to sell. Do you know Mr. Beast by any chance? Yeah, of course. You say, my of course. Just, my kids, I, oh, my kids, kids just asked me on the way here. Oh my God. They just okay. asked me. <laughs> so I've recently become obsessed with this guy. I've watched so much of his content now. It is absolutely insane. This guy basically gives up his entire childhood to just learning how to make a video go viral. Yeah. And I remember him saying, if you knew what I knew about virality, you could go from having no subscribers to, oh God, what did he say? Like 500,000 in six months. And I was like, what? Like, that's such a crazy claim. But when you hear him talk about it, all it is is everything has been disintermediated, right? So you can go direct to the viewer, you figure out the pipeline, which is YouTube, you figure out what YouTube cares about in order to get in front of that person, and you just try and try and try and try and try. Now what I love about Mr. Beast is that he is awkward. Like, really awkward, and when you see his early videos, you're like, this guy's never gonna make it. Like, <laughs> I have to imagine, everyone he ever met pulled him aside and was like, bruh, because I love you, I'm just gonna tell you, stop. yeah, <laughs> this is not for you. This is not and, you. And I heard you say that your sister, like, came, did an intervention with you when you yeah. were starting uh, Motor Millions, and, but anyway, the to make Mr. Beast's uh, long story short, he ends up murdering it, this yeah. kid gets I think he has one video that has almost 250 million views. <laughs> oh it's insane, and so and because it's all on YouTube, you get to watch him go from like obscenely awkward yeah. to just like, I don't know. He he must have, he. I mean, in his own words, he was so obsessed with getting good at YouTube that like he almost didn't care that he looked like a fool. He was just like, I have to yeah. practice. I have to keep getting good. I have to put myself out there, and to see now like. He doesn't have Brad Pitt looks, right? Because an easy yeah. way is like, well, good-looking people, of course, they, you know, they've got such an advantage. Not that he's unattractive, but like, he's not Brad Pitt. He uh, doesn't have like the easiest gift of gab. You could see where, like, in person, he might be a little awkward. Yeah, and he's just gotten so many reps under his belt of like yeah. doing this thing, doing this thing, doing this thing. And to the point about why. Time to Thrive would work now, where it wouldn't have worked back when you and Tony were in infomercials and it required $250,000 on credit cards and all that. That's a huge fucking risk, it P.S. Was. Uh, but now really from a technological standpoint, I'm super optimistic. Because, so I'll, I'll bring this yeah, all yeah. around because I really am going somewhere yeah. with all this. That I have deep and abiding fears that the middle class has evaporated I've become very excited about Web3 because, oh God, it gives people a way to monetize, like I'm an artist, and now you can actually make money. I can do this, that, or the other, and I can put it on the blockchain, and now I can do something that I couldn't have done before. It just, it really adds a way for people to make money in ways that they couldn't have previously. And I see that same thing with what you guys are really trying to do, and I'm gonna boil it down to different language than you would use. Hey everybody, you have a key piece of knowledge that somebody right. else would pay a lot of money for. Yeah. But you have True to story. you have to turn it into a class. Right. I don't know if you use that word. Class workshop. And then you have to course learn how to sell it.
1: Yeah, that's that's really is. That's really what it is. And and if you think about it, Shopify, right? If you take Shopify, it's growing because so many people are selling their products mm. and using Shopify. What Tony and I are teaching, just what you said, is instead of a physical product, you have an information product that your life experience has a value. You just have to identify it. And you're right. People are going to think, I'm not an expert who would listen to me. We'll bust that myth, right? I don't have any followers. Thank goodness, right? We have people in 4,500 different niches around the world selling the craziest things from painting with wolves. A, a woman, she-, she does a workshop where people come to her outside. She re- laves puppies, little wolves, because the energy of a wolf while you're doing something calm like painting, and she sells out her workshops. <laughs> now she does it virtual. We have people helping through people through eczema and how to do hair extensions and everything you could have possibly imagined, because people are thinking, I, I do have something. I I went through this life experience. I mean, so I, I was thinking, I was thinking this, and and I, I'm gonna digress to this in a moment. You built Quest, and had nightmare days and beautiful days. And, we did it and I think we're going to lose it. All of these variations that you went through. What would it be worth to you right now if you could go back and spend a day with your 20 year old self?
0: Dean, you know, actually, that question makes me want to cry. Yeah. Like the, I, because I had always posed it, and it's interesting, the subtle difference really freaked me out. I had always posed it like if I had 30 minutes to give myself like one piece of information and you were like, no, what if you had like a week or whatever and you could like train them? I was like, oh my God. The thought of like how much of my own suffering I could have mitigated is crazy.
1: And Tony and I have asked that to hundreds of thousands of people now. And in the chat, if we're virtual or in person, um, it's always one or two questions. If someone's thinking through a financial lens, they say millions, Mm. but most people write priceless some people write I'm crying literally Literally, I don't even know why it makes me emotional people people say I'm crying and that's the best way I can describe an experience that everyone has there's somebody starting out right now doesn't mean they're younger they're starting out in an area that you've already been through you've been through the journey right I mean for years if I saw you once a year I, I I couldn't wait for you to sell or, or create something where you could teach people. You've learned so much and there's so many people starting, wanting to start their quest-like mm-hmm. business, whatever business it's wasn't in today. I
0: was doing ITU the last time I interviewed you. No. So people should know you're the reason I started doing ITU. I could not wrap my head around it, around selling it. I was like, I just wanna give everything away. Yeah. And I was really uncomfortable with it. And you were the person that was like, painting a vision for, are you ever gonna do ITU if it were free? And I was like, no, I don't have time. And you're like, exactly, motherfucker. So like, either figure out a way to get comfortable with it, not even either, you were like, find a way to get comfortable with it because otherwise it's never going to exist.
1: And it never wanna come out of your head. And think of, right now I could say, I know for a fact, there's someone that you could think about that's a part of that program, their lives have already changed. And how do you feel about that? That's crazy. I, I watch you get goosebumps all the time. It's crazy. If you would've done it for free, First off, you never would have done it. And if you did do it, people who don't pay, they wouldn't have taken it seriously. People pay to go to college. They pay for education. And you're not taking them through four years of wide. You're taking them down specialized knowledge because you've already had the sleepless nights and the stress and the anxiety and thinking it was gonna fail. And you already had the win and you had an exit. And you, you went through all this stuff. Is to, I'm using Tony's terms, but you condense decades or a decade into a short period of time. And that's why knowledge is so valuable. When I said before, your your information is maybe the greatest asset you have. Tom, I love having conversations. We get together maybe once, twice a year in a mastermind with other people. Some of my favorite times, because there's the, I can think back for five years now or four years we've been together, and there's always something I take away from you, always in my journal, that shifts my life. Wow. That's an absolute fact, Tom. How valuable that is, and the cool part about it is, Everybody has that valuable knowledge inside of them. We really created a process to help people go, I don't think I can. I, what would, oh, well, I could do that. But I don't think, I don't have any followers. Oh, because of Facebook and YouTube and Instagram, oh, I could do that. Yeah, but I, I couldn't teach it. I, I, I'm an introvert and I'm scared. Mm. But what if you could tell a story and then teach through the story and then give them an exercise? Well, I could do that. So that's what these five days are more like, like I picture, and so does Tony, we talk about this. We picture you showing up and going, I don't know if I could sell what I know, but you know, Tom recommended it, I trust Tom. I'll, I'll go check it out. And we picture some people are gonna come and go, I'll see what this is. And then they go, oh, well, I, bet I, I could probably do that. And I couldn't do that. Oh yes, I could. I guess, and that, that's our goal is to just not force somebody, in. it's not a magical money machine to get rich for doing nothing. That's the complete opposite. It's a real industry heading towards a trillion dollars a year people are wanting the information in other people's heads and we just want to help people like
0: it at an individual level exactly that's the part that's really interesting i don't people our age do not understand how much the world has changed go watch mr beast like as i started binging his content i was like oh my god everything is different and i know it but like Kids today do not understand that TV was just different when you and I were growing up. True story. And what they also can't appreciate is that they're going to be old one day and YouTube and all that is going to be outdated and super dumb. And it will have so ingrained itself in the patterns in their brain that they'll have a hard time breaking out of it. And so I have a hard time breaking out of like the traditional model of like, well, this is what a TV show is. Like I get more viewership than most of the major TV shows out there. Like that's crazy. Yeah. But I do almost 30 million views a month. It's insane. (laughs) It's insane. Which is probably bigger than basically every TV show out there. And that's so weird. Even saying it now is just bizarre. Uh, People really are, they want to like, like the woman painting with wolves. That's very strange. Yeah, but they, there's it's so
1: outlandish. But, yeah, but there's, there's going to be group, a, niche, there's there's a niche for it. 100%. So I'll give you an example. You, you're using YouTube. My kids' YouTube TV is completely different. They're 15 and 13, they're in yeah. the other room. They might be watching YouTube right now because they're or waiting TikTok. for us. Or TikTok, yeah. right? But my daughter talked about wanting to do oil painting. And one of our, without me knowing, she goes onto our platform a student of ours that we taught ages ago or two, three years ago. Never thought he could do it. I, I, remember, I remember hearing his story. Uh, didn't think he could do it. I'm just an artist. I don't know how to sell. I don't know how to teach. It was so cool. We are in, uh, we in our house in upstate Arizona and I come into the den and my daughter has got her laptop open. She's got the paint up and she's taking a class from Anthony Whoa. who used to just be an artist. Now he's teaching other people art just the way he does it. And she's taking a class, and I was like, this is our world. She's watching online, she's doing what she's doing, she's painting, and she doesn't know any different, that's the way the world is going. And and the cool part, you said something. I really want you to think, you're not teaching everyone. I think you get overwhelmed. This is the last part I'll, I'll share on this. I think people get overwhelmed when they think, I gotta be something for everyone. Right? If Anthony thought, i got to be the best artist in the world, and I have to have this, and I have to have been sold, maybe I have to sell paintings for millions of dollars. No, Anthony was a really good dude who knew how to do oil painting, went to art class, went to art school, was an art major. And now he's got a business teaching people just to paint art because they want to start. He's a chapter ahead. If he thought about teaching everything or how to you know, paint uh, the ceiling of Sistine Chapel, you get overwhelmed but teaching a 14-year-old girl at the time hmm. how to start and who could be better than that guy? And when we, what we show people is how to narrow it down to this tiny little dot. If you try to teach everybody, overwhelming. This little dot, you could teach it and there's potentially millions of people in that little dot.
0: Yeah. That is so interesting. Where do people go for the free yeah, five-day yeah, Time to Thrive challenge? And I'd love to know why it's a challenge. We,
1: because every day we challenge people to an action at the end of the day. And the reason I, Tony and I call it that way is because him, better than anyone, he's like, if people take this, if you leave the scene of learning without taking an action, mm-hmm. the momentum goes away. Yes, it does. So every day we teach and every night we give you an uncomfortable, a challenge to move this forward mm-hmm. so you're ready for the next day. So that's the reason we call it a challenge. We could have called it a workshop. Or a, but it's like two, two and a half. Hour. We try to stick with two. It usually goes about two and a half hours. Tony likes to go long. Um, it's You can go to Thrive 450. Thrive 450, uh, I think that's what my team has as a URL. Um, it's the Time to Thrive Challenge and go, and we have some great guests this year. We're even having Matthew McConaughey's coming. I think you wow. interviewed him, didn't you?
0: I did. You did, and yeah, I yeah. loved
1: Green Lights, or green, yeah, Green Lights, and he entered our industry. It's not about him being an actor. I mean, I still think in my head, So I'm going through something, I go, Green Light, in his voice, right. I don't know how to say it like he does, but I, so I got him on, luckily we got him on the phone, and I said, how do you like being in this business? He's like, I'm obsessed. 50 plus movies. I love all the impact I made, but I've never had more comments like this in my life than I did on writing this book. Mm-hmm. Like People are telling me I changed their lives. I said, well, welcome to the information industry. Welcome yeah. to self-education. And we're working with him on doing more cool stuff because he wants to go deeper in it because it's addicting. So yep. it's five days. It starts on August 2nd. You can go to thrive450.com. See all the cool speakers. See the guests. And here's, I would just say a couple of things. Show up ready to play full out mark it off on your calendar. Secondly, this is going to sound crazy, but pretend you paid a thousand bucks for it. If you've ever been to a Tony event or one of my events, we charge a lot of money for our events. We're doing this free. And sometimes people free who said, if you don't pay, you don't pay attention. Sometimes they devalue free, like "Eh, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't. This might be the last time Tony and I ever do something like this. It is five days. So pretend you paid a thousand bucks, write it in your journal, stick it in your mind. Then you'll absolutely show up and grab a friend. It's a, it's a, it's something that, could really because you know tony is going to spend time day one talking about winter he can't help himself and he's going to really help you with a mindset of how to ski through winter and then we're going to take you through this journey for five days and i think it, i think it'll be something really special we're hoping for a million people i think we'll get there
0: i love it man it's amazing boys and girls dean graciosi has changed my life and he'll change yours if you let him speaking of things that will change your life if you haven't already be sure to subscribe and until next time my friends be legendary take care peace